The United States, it's safe to say, was born in debt, a debt so deep that it threatened to destroy the young nation. Thomas Jefferson considered the national debt a monstrous fraud perpetrated against posterity. We all know Jefferson had issues with debt in general. (laughs) Alexander Hamilton believed debt would help America prosper, and both, as it turns out, were right. In his new book, One Nation Under Debt, which is, of course, available up at our museum shop, and I would mention also we are now making books for lectures available in advance. You can do this through our website to get them pre-signed, which saves you the time of waiting in line. Well, in his new book, One Nation Under Debt, Robert E. Wright follows our nation's debt from the era of the founding to the credit crisis of today, which we see in the headlines most every single day. He brings to life the key events that shaped the U.S. financial system, and he explains how the actions of our forefathers laid the groundwork for the debt we still carry today. A compelling and witty storyteller, our speaker shows how the past can illuminate current financial woes. Dr. Wright teaches financial history at New York University's Stern School of Business and is also a curator for the Museum of American Finance. He's written numerous articles and books, and he formerly held one of our Mellon Fellowships here at the BHS to do research. In fact, he was up in our reading room before this lecture doing some research on a newer project. This lecture, I might add, is a program um, that stems out of our Reynolds Business History Center. So please help me welcome Bob Wright to the VHS, who will speak to us on the subject, One Nation Under Debt, Hamilton, Jefferson, and the History of What We Owe. Bob? Oh, it is great to be back in the ancient dominion, which is the old name for the old dominion. Uh, Only in the United States would something a mere 400 years old be considered ancient. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. Um, as mentioned, uh, I teach at the uh, Stern uh, School of Business, uh, which is not nearly as strict uh, as it sounds. Um, <clears throat> so uh, when a student uh, presented me uh, with, uh, with this uh, item here, um, uh, he, which he called a Bear Stern's laser pointer, um, I graciously uh, accepted. Um, <clears throat> and... Uh, Usually, uh, I, I teach at a, at a podium like this, and there's a PowerPoint uh, screen um, uh, up on the wall, and I will use a, a laser pointer. And See the red dot right there, right? And uh, without even looking, you know, talk about time series graphs and, uh, and whatnot. I've taught the same course over 30 times now, so, you know, after a while, you don't even have to look. So the student presents me, the, right, it says, you probably can't see that, it says Bear Stearns on there. He presents me with this laser pointer, uh, and I uh, begin my lecture, and uh, a chart comes up, and uh, I do my usual, right, where I'm pointing. Now, do you see anything up on that wall? Maybe there's a little bit of light right there, yeah, compared to this? So uh, the, the students start laughing. They're cracking up uh, hysterically because they know I have uh, they know I have this thing, uh, and it turns out you know this is as, as impotent a uh, laser pointer as Bear Stearns uh, was uh, in the mortgage business. <laughs> 
Now, I've, I've purposely uh, tried to make you laugh so that I could say that some prime uh, mortgage mess is no uh, laughing matter. <laughs> um, uh, in fact, uh, it highlights the importance of, uh, of knowing history. Uh, if just one regulator or one executive uh, at Bear Stearns had called myself, uh, my colleague Richard Silla, um, or uh, a professor of um, the history of finance down at uh, UNC, um, uh, they would have known that six times uh, between the Civil War and World War II, mortgage securitization schemes blew up in the United States. Uh, and they all blew up for exactly the same reason, uh, and that was that the mortgage originators did not have um, any incentive uh, to, to screen the quality of the, uh, of the borrowers. Um, so uh, what I hope now is that the government uh, calls uh, me or one of us uh, before uh, it's too late uh, regarding the national debt. Uh, <coughs> now, I've been, um, I've been on uh, Lou Dobbs' uh, show uh, twice, um, his radio show. Uh, I'm told that uh, I have a, a face for radio and a voice for TV. <laughs> uh, I was also on Larry Kane and Joey Reynolds, and maybe some of you saw me on uh, Virginia this morning, uh, this very uh, this very morning. Uh, but people have accused me of going on these shows because I have a book out about the national debt. Um, and, and, of course, the causation is, uh, is the reverse. Uh, I wrote the book because uh, I'm worried about the debt. Uh, and I'm worried about the debt because it's huge. It's very, very big. Uh, some of you, now it looks like most of you, uh, probably remember uh, Ronald Reagan in 1981. <laughs> when the national debt first hit a trillion dollars for the first time and in his very you know, folksy sort of way was trying to explain how much a trillion dollars was uh, to the average uh, American. And he said it was a stack of $1,000 bills 67 uh, miles high. Well, today the national debt is north of $9.5 trillion and the largest denomination bill we have is the 100. So uh, by those calculations, a stack of $100 bills uh, representing the national debt would be 6,300 miles high. That's pretty uh, big. That's $31,000 per person, not per family, per individual, uh, per um, you know, man, woman, child, uh, free and incarcerated, <laughs> uh, employed, uh, unemployed, um, per person. Uh, is that a lot? Well, yeah, uh, it, uh, it is. Uh, it's twice the, um, the per capita debt, uh, national debt of, uh, of Canada, uh, for example. Uh, what it means is 10 cents of every federal tax dollar uh, that you pay goes to uh, bondholders. Um, and uh, of that uh, $9.5 trillion, about uh, half a trillion uh, is uh, owned by uh, the government of uh, China. Uh, and another uh, about $2.6 trillion uh, is, owned, uh, or is owed excuse me, uh, to, to, to foreigners all told. Uh, it's about two-thirds of uh, our GDP, of uh, what our economy creates in value uh, each, uh, each year. Now, uh, some uh, you know, counter this and say, well, we're fighting a war uh, on terror. Uh, and yes, I agree, this is terrifying uh, indeed. 
Um, because uh, the national debt after the American Revolution, the Civil War, and World War I was only about one-third of uh, GDP. Now, it's true after World War II, um, the, uh, the national debt was actually uh, larger uh, than our GDP uh, for, uh, for a while. Uh, but I find it very hard to believe that uh, OBL and company, if you know who I mean, uh, is half as mighty as the combined forces of Hitler and Tojo. Uh, combined, or twice as great as the forces of uh, King George III, uh, Jeff Davis, uh, or the Kaiser. Uh, of course, uh, al-Qaeda is not that powerful. Uh, while 9-11 uh, and the occupation of Iraq and the war uh, in Afghanistan um, uh, certainly has not helped matters, economists uh, tell us that it has cost us only one to two trillion uh, dollars um, so far. Yeah, I like that. Now, now we just throw trillions around as if they were, <clears throat> as if they were dollars. Um, uh, so uh, even subtracting the cost of those wars, we would still be $7.5 trillion uh, in, uh, in hock. Uh, and of course, um, the uh, national debt uh, figures that I'm talking about are just uh, those that uh, take the form of uh, treasury bonds. Uh, the federal government has other uh, obligations uh, like Social Security um, and uh, the various, various um, you know, uh, medical and health uh, uh, benefits uh, that run between, uh, and you'll love this, uh, between 50 and $100 uh, trillion. Uh, um, <clears throat> so uh, history uh, can help us out here, uh, I, uh, I think. Um, uh, the, the first national debt uh, we incurred uh, for a very, very good cause, and that was winning our independence uh, from, uh, from Great Britain. Uh, after the Constitution uh, was uh, ratified, uh, the big questions were uh, if, how, when, and where uh, to, pay, uh, to pay the national debt off, and uh, these, of course, became major uh, political issues that uh, pitted uh, the Federalists, led by Alexander Hamilton, against uh, the Democratic Republicans of, uh, of Thomas Jefferson. Hamilton believed that a, a moderate national debt was a blessing, uh, and Jefferson, uh, of course, considered uh, any public debt uh, a curse. What I argue in the book is that they were uh, both right, uh, and by implication, of course, both wrong, um, <clears throat> depending on the length of time one wishes uh, to stress. Uh, in the short term, Hamilton uh, was right. Uh, the national debt led to the creation of America's uh, first capital markets, uh, sparked a flurry of uh, entrepreneurial activity, uh, including uh, a beet sugar craze uh, that I talk about uh, in, uh, in some detail in One Nation uh, Under Debt. The capital markets also led to the formation of corporations uh, at a rate that was unprecedented in world history, uh, and this will be the uh, subject of my forthcoming book, uh, Corporation Nation, uh, which I hope will be out uh, in 2012, unless, of course, the Maya were right. <laughs> in which case, it won't matter. Um, <clears throat> the, uh, the bonds themselves served uh, very useful business functions, uh, like providing uh, secondary reserves for banks and insurers, and safe investments uh, for artisans, merchants, orphans, widows, uh, and others. Uh, the secondary market uh, for government bonds also, also helped the American people uh, to monitor the federal government uh, via the bond prices that were regularly quoted uh, in major uh, American newspapers uh, from Boston 
uh, to, uh, to Charleston, uh, including uh, right here uh, in, uh, in Richmond. Uh, in fact, many uh, Virginians owned uh, uh, federal bonds in the early period. Um, many of them were uh, urban federalist merchants and attorneys, uh, but there were also numerous planters, some artisans, uh, and even some women uh, who owned uh, U.S. government uh, bonds. I devote an entire chapter of the book to describing uh, these Virginia bondholders and how the bonds fit into their business uh, strategies uh, and their life uh, overall. Uh, some of the subjects uh, include, and uh, forgive me if I, if I butcher, the, butcher the names, but uh, Jacqueline uh, Ambler, uh, John Blair, James Breckenridge, uh, William Cabell, Paul Carrington, Thomas Christie, Meyer Cohen, uh, Jack Cropper, uh, Robert Gab, uh, Gamble, uh, Charles Dabney, uh, who I discovered uh, kept his bonds uh, hidden in his uh, bookcase, uh, and he kept his silver, silver hidden, uh, hidden in his uh, shot bag. I wonder if there was a pheasant that uh, ended up with a load of silver uh, <coughs> by accident. Uh, and my favorite uh, of all is George Gilmer, uh, who was a physician and a close friend of uh, Thomas Jefferson. Uh, and uh, I also discuss, uh, students tell me, far too many uh, others. Um, but uh, as students, they don't really appreciate uh, that I'm fighting a lot of erroneous uh, ingrained beliefs. Uh, some major historians who shall remain uh, nameless uh, told me uh, that there were very few bondholders uh, in Virginia uh, or indeed anywhere outside of uh, New York, uh, Boston, uh, and, uh, and Philadelphia. Um, and uh, that's uh, just, uh, just, not, uh, just not correct. Uh, I was also told that uh, all of the folks who did own bonds, uh, regardless of where they lived, were uh, evil speculators. Uh, and I find it difficult uh, to consider uh, the barely literate William Wolfolk of Carolyn County, uh, bankrupt uh, Thomas Chilton of Fuckware County, or uh, Williamsburg uh, cabinet maker Benjamin Bucktrout uh, as either evil uh, or as, uh, as speculators. Uh, and this is important to the story because Hamilton, uh, you know, asserted that uh, the national debt uh, would be a cement to the Union. And if only a handful of people in New York and uh, Boston and Philadelphia uh, own these things, of course, the power of that insight would be uh, decreased. Uh, but in fact, a, a broad swath uh, of Americans uh, owned uh, federal bonds. And um, uh, hence, uh, you know, when, when there were uh, difficult times, and we know we faced uh, many uh, earlier in our early in our history, uh, the bondholders, uh, of course, supported uh, the, federal, uh, the federal government. It owed them money, uh, after all. Um, <clears throat> Hamilton uh, realized, though, that too much debt could be disastrous. And contrary to the conventional wisdom, Hamilton absolutely, positively, without a doubt, wanted to pay off the national debt. He just wanted to do uh, so uh, much more slowly than the Jeffersonians did. He wanted to spread the repayment uh, out over several decades uh, in order to minimize the impact of uh, the distortionary taxes uh, that uh, would have been necessary uh, to pay the debt off uh, uh, quickly like Jefferson uh, wanted. So what he did, um, uh, I discovered, was uh, to build into the first bonds an amortization feature uh, that allowed the government to repay 2% of the principal each year along with the 6% uh, interest um, uh, that, uh, that, that they paid. Um, 
So it, it, the bonds were much like uh, sort of a 30-year uh, mortgage uh, today, where the principal was paid down slowly uh, over, uh, over time. Uh, and the, t- the, the technique worked, uh, as did the uh, efforts of um, later uh, Treasury secretaries, uh, including uh, Albert Gallatin, who served uh, during um, uh, both Jefferson administrations and part of uh, uh, Madison's terms as well. By 1834, the national debt, uh, the Revolutionary War debt, plus uh, the subsequent borrowing we did uh, to fight a quasi-war with France, uh, to tackle the Barbary pirates, uh, to buy Louisiana, uh, and to fight a second war uh, of independence had been paid off completely, um, which is a very, very rare um, uh, event uh, in human history for, for a government to, um, to uh, completely pay down uh, its indebtedness. Uh, but then Jefferson, uh, though uh, the long dead, uh, got his revenge. Um, Jefferson thought uh, the debt was a curse because it was morally wrong to burden uh, posterity with debt. Uh, he also realized that politicians, uh, especially federal politicians, uh, could not be trusted. Uh, <clears throat> The incentive, he realized, was uh, to, uh, to borrow and spend, and it's a very strong uh, incentive. Um, because if you borrow to fill the public purse, uh, politicians can do something for voters today uh, at seemingly no cost. And, of course, this is a very good way uh, to, get, uh, to get reelected. Uh, so in the long term, Jefferson uh, was right. Um, as the federal government paid off its... Uh, debt. The states, the state governments, plunged deeply into debt uh, to build canals uh, of dubious quality uh, or necessity, uh, and several of these states uh, defaulted, and a few, uh, including Mississippi, uh, repudiated. Uh, even New York eventually fell uh, into this uh, trap. Uh, we all know about the Grand Canal or the Erie Canal and how successful uh, it was. Uh, But uh, what many people don't realize is that New York continued uh, to build canals, so-called feeder canals, running into the uh, the main line of the canal, uh, and went deeply into debt uh, in order to do so. Uh, But the feeder lines uh, were um, not uh, not profitable, uh, and so uh, New York uh, had to to stop uh, their construction uh, and uh, increase taxes. Uh, in order to dig itself uh, out of that uh, out of that hole, uh, and then the federal government, uh, which had just paid off uh, the the national debt, within a few years fell into debt again. Uh, it was not a very large debt, um, but uh, it uh, and indeed went into hock uh, again, uh, and then uh, fought uh, a war with Mexico. Um, which was uh, relatively cheap compared to uh, the Civil War, uh, which was to come. Uh, And then, of course, the two world wars and the Cold War. Uh, And uh, we've also, along the way, fought sundry uh, pseudo-wars on things like poverty uh, and uh, and drugs. And we know how those are going. (laughs) It would be very easy at this point uh, to to blame uh, specific politicians um, like John Murtha of uh, Pennsylvania, the state, uh, the state I currently uh, uh, reside in, uh, for, uh, for our plight. Uh, Mr. Murtha uh, was written up in the Wall Street Journal, in case you don't know, all, about a year or so ago, um, uh, won, the, won the award, uh, so to speak, uh, for uh, the, most, uh, the most pork barrel 
uh, projects uh, of any of any legislature uh, legislator. Uh, they're, they're, they were so porky that um, the <laughs> the federal government agencies uh, that received uh, the aid didn't even request it. <laughs> That's a lot of hog right there. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, I, but I think uh, rather than um, rather than blaming uh, politicians, we should, as uh, Jefferson suggested, uh, blame uh, blame the system, blame the system of um, borrow. Uh, and spend uh, that uh, has gotten us uh, into this hole uh, and keeps us there. Uh, I make some suggestions for radical uh, reform uh, at the end of the uh, book, um, and, and it's been they've been scoffed at. Uh, so I won't go, uh, you know, much to my chagrin. Um, so I won't go into details uh, on those. And what I'll suggest is uh, that taxpayers' uh, only defense is uh, to use the electoral system to uh, insist on a fiscal responsibility uh, uh, from, uh, you know, from, from our elected uh, officials. Uh, and this has worked before. It worked in the early uh, republic uh, when candidates used to compete on um, you know, how little they were going to spend. Um, and uh, it worked uh, after the Civil War. Uh, it worked after World War II. Uh, it worked again uh, recently in the 1990s. Uh, by the end of the 1990s, um, uh, I was teaching uh, at the University of Virginia uh, at the time, and there were serious policy discussions about what the Federal Reserve was going to do once the national debt had been paid off, uh, because the, they buy and sell treasuries uh, in order to, uh, you know, implement monetary uh, policy. And uh, without treasuries, you know, what, what, what would they do, buy and sell toothpicks or toilet paper? Or, um, it wasn't clear. Well, needless to say, uh, those discussions have long since, uh, long since ended. <laughs> um, <clears throat> the big problem, I think, is the, uh, the two-party system. Traditionally, uh, you know, we think of the Federalists as the party of big government and the, uh, the Jeffersonians as the party of uh, small government. Uh, but in fact, uh, the Federalists wanted a tiny government and the Democratic Republicans wanted a minuscule one. Today, the Democrats want a ginormous government, and the Republicans an enormous uh, government. Um, so <laughs> uh, that's, uh, th that's why I always cringe when I hear people say that Hamilton wanted, uh, wanted a big government. Yeah, compared to what Jefferson wanted. But uh, I think if he were to come back uh, today uh, and rise up uh, from, uh, from Trinity Church uh, uh, gravesite in, in lower Manhattan, um, after saying, wow, those are some big buildings, um, <laughs> He would. Uh, he'd, be, he'd be appalled uh, at the size uh, and scope of our government. Uh, what we need, uh, I think, is uh, greater efficiency in all that government uh, undertakes. We just don't hear enough uh, of that uh, from politicians. Uh, we also need to rethink uh, sort of the borderline uh, between uh, what we need to get from the government and what we need uh, to get from the private uh, sector. Uh, and history can help us out here, uh, too, uh, by showing the way to greater privatization of uh, public infrastructure, uh, including roads, bridges, uh, even parks and playgrounds early in our history uh, were private goods owned by businesses uh, rather than uh, by, uh, by the government. But of course, the biggest change of all needs to come in our tax system, uh, which is far more bloated uh, and less efficient than the tariffs that paid off uh, the first national debt. Uh, unfortunately, except perhaps, uh, perhaps for Lou Dobbs, uh, 
Uh, a tariff is a dirty word uh, these days. Uh, but it did do uh, the job uh, early on uh, in that it was, uh, it was relatively uh, easy uh, and cheap uh, to collect. And uh, people uh, did not fully realize that they were paying it because they saw it in the uh, increase in the price of goods, uh, of imported goods that they, uh, that they were buying uh, from, the big, uh, from the big wholesale uh, merchants. Um, and uh, so we need a nice tax like uh, uh, the tariff uh, that uh, is uh, politically uh, palatable uh, to help us uh, to, uh, to pay down uh, our, current, uh, our current burden. Well, thank you for your time and attention, uh, and I believe we have a few minutes for, uh, for questions.